Welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. In episode 22, I speak with Justin Kazapit, a professional movement coach based out of Chicago. He shares many lessons from his journey, which started with striving to get strong, compete, and lose weight, but due to getting injured and beat up, he transitioned to following a deeper reason for movement. He now aims to empower clients to know and explore their infinitely adapting body in order to move well for life. Welcome to the podcast, Justin. Hey, Courtney, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm definitely uh, blessed to be here and excited to see what we can you know, uncover today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure and I'm glad we were able to carve out some time to kind of dive deeper into your movement journey. Yes, I'm excited to ex- explain, explain it and see how, you know, I got to, you know, my training philosophies at this point. Yeah, totally. Uh, I want to back up to when we met. So I don't even know if you know this story, but I think I started following you on like Twitter back in like 2014, 2015, like fitness Twitter yeah, scene. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that was a great time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So funny to like think back to that, but, um, that's like where I first kind of started to follow along. And then over the years followed you over to Instagram too. And remember seeing you go through like your bodybuilding phase. And Mm -hmm. then we started working together. Um, it was almost a year ago now, actually. Okay. So it's been a full year. Yeah. Cool. So you've been my client for a year. I don't just to throw that out there for your, your followers and listeners here. We've been working together yeah um, as like a coach and student and you've been doing awesome we're getting a lot of skills and and exploring your movement uh you know kind of vocabulary right yeah yeah uh a lot of wisdom gained from justin so if oh, any thank you I appreciate <laughs> <it>. <laughs> any listeners out there you'll definitely uh take notes on what he has to say today um So yeah, what got you into, so like I said, when I started following you, you were kind of into like bodybuilding, but what really got you into, did you do sports in high school or Mm. where'd your movement journey really begin? Yeah. So I guess if we want to go way back, yeah, you know, (laughs) I was always a relatively active, you know, kid, my my parents put me into sports and things like that. So tracing way back into how I got into just any physical training at all it was through sports. So, you know, as a kid, I was in martial arts, um, you know, swimming, basketball, and I followed into football and track through high school. And I guess that led me into, okay, I had coaches that were like, okay, we need to get you into the gym, you know, for football and and track just for, you know, injury mitigation and and gaining size and things like that. So that's where it led me into strength training. And okay. realizing that, you know what, I, I always tell people I was never gifted. I was never naturally athletic. I was never the fastest person on the team, the leanest, the strongest. But as soon as I started training, you know, I did make big jumps and it was like, whoa, there's, you know, something to putting an adaptation on your body and then letting your body adapt to it to where you can make leaps and bounds differences, whether, whether it be, you know, trying to find more power or more speed or more strength. 
And that's what got me into like, you know, training at, as, as a sport in itself. And I was like, whoa, I love the, I love the weight training just as much as I love playing the sport. So that's really mm. what got me into weight training and into, I guess, led me into bodybuilding, powerlifting and Olympic lifting, I guess all the barbell sports. Right. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of a natural transition through that as well. Nice. So I like to hear that you had kind of a well-rounded experience in sports growing up. You weren't just specialized Mm -hmm. in one sport. I think that like our history of our movement um, kind of impacts where, where we go down the road. So you're not just like a slow speed or a slow strength athlete or like a powerful explosive athlete. You had kind of that well-rounded background. Yeah. Luckily it, you know, it was just whatever I, was put into and whatever, like I said, my parents put into, but I'm big on that as well, especially being like, you know, a strength and conditioning coach from, from that. And they're saying, yeah, there is this very specialized thought now. And it's more so even than 20 years ago where people are putting, you know, three-year-olds in certain sports, baseball, things like that. And then, you know, before they even get into middle school, they're having elbow surgeries and people are burning out. And you've, I've noticed that most sports that people play when they're so young, like almost forced on, into that, that they don't enjoy that sport anymore mm, or they're yeah. injured before they even get into high school or college. And um, one of the main things that you start to see now is in professional sports, you're talking NFL and um, basketball, things like that, almost you know, half of their athletes that are drafted were multi-sport athletes. So it's Mm. like exactly like you said, the broader your base of movement is, the bigger it's going to translate into high levels of performance. Just because if you think of movement as a pyramid, Mm. the bigger your foundation is, the more you're going to be able to build on that. Yeah. And so it's, it's just builds your resiliency and your proprioception and, and your overall athletic skill. Um, I think that's huge. And I guess that's one of the things we can talk about where um, building your base can be, you know, it doesn't have to be just athletes anymore. We can apply this mm-hmm. to the person who's working at a desk for 40 hours a week. Like, okay, you know, is it going to be best for that person to just start lifting heavy or mm. only do high intensity intervals. You know, those are the two things we really see in the fitness industry to kind of build to mainstream media. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of my message. Um, when, when it comes to, you know, training clients or talking to people about my practice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important to that, that you focus on not only helping the client or athlete get to where they want to go, but educating them on like, what is the best path for them to get to that goal? Cause yeah, maybe right. the person sitting at the desk all day long, it's not in their best interest to just jump straight to heavy lifting. If they have like zero body awareness and don't even right. understand how to move their body. <laughs> exactly. I definitely agree on that. And um, uh, there are a few things that you start to realize too, when you start working with, you know, general pop and obviously there are just very common issues. And for most people, like you just need to put them on the ground and get them to breathe correctly or get them Mm -hmm. to even learn how to brace their core or spine. Yeah. And if you can't do that, you should not be throwing that person under a bar 
you shouldn't be teaching them Olympic lifts. You shouldn't be, you know, telling them to do hard intervals if they've never even been able to walk for 30 minutes straight, right? So it's like, okay, what what can we actually bring them down to to where they're gonna mm. get a good healthy stimulus and we can build on top of that? Yeah. I know everyone wants to go, you know, full intensity at the get-go, but you know, like I said before, the broader your foundation is in terms of general fitness or even just general movement at all is going to lead you to higher levels later because you may just be getting hurt super specializing like you said early on yeah yeah yeah. totally hear you um is that something so after you got done with all of your sports through high school did you continue sports into college or no so that's a good question when I finished high school sports. That's it was like towards the end, like maybe the junior, senior year. That's when I said I started to real. I like I honestly enjoyed and was better at lifting mm. than I, than I was at the actual sports I was playing, which is kind of sad. But uh, <laughs> we do have natural tendencies, right? And I just knew right away, like you know, I'm good at lifting, at least relatively. You mm. know, I was went from squatting you know, the bar to almost 400 pounds, like in the first six months. Wow. And I was like, whoa, like, I think <laughs> it, it's fun, right? Like, and then all of a sudden you're breaking school records and, and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, this is something I'm good at. And we're definitely naturally drawn to what we're good at, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why, you know, naturally flexible or pliable people end up being in yoga. People that are naturally strong end up powerlifting. Yeah. And so that was a natural progression for me. Um, so then that led me into bodybuilding, which was, you know, that's more of a physique oriented sport to where Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, how much muscle can I put on? Um, you know, there is a lot of crossover in some of the training. Um, but I did that for a while too. Okay. So when you got into bodybuilding, was that, cause I know you sort of experienced some injuries along the way. I assume it was because of like that specialization that we are talking about just doing like too much of the same movements or like right. just not enough variation in your training. Is that where you started to notice some injuries popping up? 100%. I think when also when you're younger, right? Like um, in, your, in your early 20s, <laughs> whatever you're doing as far as the sport or physical activity you're in, you're just gung ho, right? So yeah. I was just all in like lifting as heavy as I possibly could, trying to get as big as possible. And you're right. Um, things like those few sports, there is so much repetition. I guess, you know, most, even endurance sports, you can kind of have, see a parallel there. And it's, you're doing the same movement patterns over and over and over and over with also no regard to maybe opposite movement patterns or mm-hmm. even other stimuluses or other forms of even impact or resistance. So mm-hmm. obviously like if you're bodybuilding, you know, you have the traditional, you know, there's multiple splits, but you're just hammering one body part like over and over and over right like who knows 20 30 sets of just chest yeah yeah and then you start to wonder why you know similar to powerlifting right you have your three big lifts squat bench squat deadlift and how much is that person pressing over and over and over and over Mm -hmm. and you know you can go into any gym almost everyone has some kind of shoulder pain yeah and then yeah go ahead I was gonna say, what do you mean by um, bodybuilding? There's no other stimulus. Like you're just sure. strength training or? Right. So it's strength and hypertrophy. 
Yeah. Right. There's really like if you're in any bodybuilding circles or even even just general fitness, like it's always calories in versus calories out. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, get on a diet, lose this much weight in six weeks. And like no one is asking anybody, it's like, does my shoulder work in full range of motion? Mm-hmm. You know, when was the last time I trained it in extension? And mm-hmm. you know, if someone isn't familiar with, you know, anatomical terms. shoulder extension is just basically putting your arm behind you yeah right and if you take a look at all of weight training all almost all of weight training is in the this front you know this sagittal plane is what we call it where you're lifting your arm out in front of you that's it Mm -hmm. and if you look at the ball and socket joint of the shoulder you know it's supposed to move through a full range of motion right yeah so okay let's say 10 years you know i was lifting for eight ten years plus and how many reps of bench press am I doing? How many reps of incline flies, incline press, overhead press, and not once is my arm and shoulder extension. Mm, and yeah. a lot of times, if you just start training extension in someone, um, a lot of their shoulder pain will go away because um, you're finally moving the shoulder through a full range of motion. They're stretching the biceps joint and you're starting to build some strength th- through you know, the rear delts and the opposite muscle groups. So it's like balancing the joint rather than just, you know, extreme in one direction. Right. And that's, you can start to see the patterns through multiple sports where you're constantly in this movement pattern or you're comp- you're doing repetitions times rep times weight times sets. Right. So, so mm-hmm. much volume is going into you, you know, and if you're a power lifter, it's just flat bench press. Too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so we're missing basically what the human body was meant to do, which is full ranges of motion. And then obviously you're going to end up being injured. So I guess, you know, long story short, yeah. Like I was starting to get shoulder pain, um, lower back pain. Um, You know, I was like in my mid to late twenties and I was like, okay, I have all this muscle. Cool. You know, someone from the outside would look at me and be like, okay, this guy's fit. He mm. looks like, you know, an athlete, a bodybuilder, whatever. And I was just going through my days, like, you know, barely being able to walk some days because I had plantar fasciitis, my back hurt, like I could get hyped up and get warm and do a heavy deadlift. And then the rest of the day, you're like crawling around feeling like you can't get under, you know, into a cabinet under the kitchen or something I was like, yeah, and that's when I really was like, okay, is this one I want for my life or my training? Um, you know, as a trainer or a coach too, is like, are you really healthy then? Mm. You know, that's another question to ask. Um, yeah, you have more muscle than the average person. Maybe you lift or train more than the average person, but if you're in pain or you can't move or you're overtraining, um, you know what, you're just hiding under a guise because you're not healthy. That's yeah. I think this is like the, the cost of, being an athlete that specializes in a sport, I, I, you know, sit here and question sometimes, like, if you do choose to become a powerlifter or a bodybuilder, is that the price you have to pay to do that sport? Or in your opinion, do you think there are ways to compete in these sports and still like maintain this balance of health and like feel good right. and be able to move in your body and just everyday life? Right. So that's a great message to address. I think that um, there is a certain price to pay once you start over specializing. So obviously, 
if someone is getting to elite levels, that's their main sport, whether it be part of their, you know, maybe their livelihood or their career. You're like, yes, like you're going to be probably training through injuries, playing through injuries, you know, like you're, you're just going to compete still, yeah, which is yeah. fine. Yeah. But if we talk about percentages, like that's 0.0001% of the population. Mm. And it's one of those things you have to ask yourself both as an individual and maybe if you're a coach or a, a trainer is like, why do we have the average person that's just trying to be fit or in shape or healthy or happy? They're killing themselves to get a heavier squat or healthy. heavier. <laughs> right. So is, is that healthy or X amount of, you know, pounds lost? It's like, okay, maybe you need a more balanced, healthier approach. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do need other forms of training. Um, I think as far as, you know, is there a way to mitigate this? I definitely do think so. I think that, okay, here's something to ask yourself if you are, you know, a lot of people label themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, uh, I, which I definitely did before in the past too. Like I'm a bodybuilder, <laughs> I'm a power lifter, I'm an Olympic lifter, I'm a yogi, I'm a runner, I'm a cyclist, I'm a swimmer, whatever, you know, whatever, um, you know, athletic endeavor you choose to, you know, apply yourself to that. Mm-hmm it becomes niche where I'm only this and it Mm. starts to run your entire life. It starts to be your personality. It starts to take over your entire day and all you think about and all you do. Right. Sure. Which is fine. I I definitely love passion, which is a huge thing, uh, uh, you know, and being able to maintain a fitness program. Mm. But I think most people would benefit branching out into doing something the totally opposite. Mm. And I've seen this in my clients. I've seen this in myself too. Um, you know, if you're, like I said before, most people tend to gravitate towards what they're good at and stick to it. Right. Obviously, you know, as yeah. a human. Yeah. So I think a yogi, once you get them lifting a little bit, you know, mm. maybe their practice is going to be better. Maybe they can brace more, you know, a lot of people are hypermobile, maybe they strengthening their core and their glutes it'll help them in, in their yoga practice. Yeah. And, and you know, it's quite frankly, mitigate injury on that end too, where you know, maybe they're more at risk for injury because they're, they are hypermobile. Mm-hmm. And I think the same could be said for like a bodybuilder, power, someone in a strength or power sport, like maybe branching out into yoga, Pilates or some type mm-hmm. of other movement or even explore some type of martial art, you're probably going to gain some movement back just overall because then you're starting to balance like I said um, there's not a lot of shoulder extension and weight training there is not a lot of like uh, hip bridging or even thoracic bridging which are you know you start to see all those in other movement groups like gymnastics uh, right yoga uh, martial arts and things like that so um, you know finding and branching out you know put yourself out of your comfort zone automatically you may start to reduce injury or even improve your fitness and be healthier in the long run. Yeah, that's a really good point. Cause like for power lifters, personally for me, I see a lot of them at my gym and they're always doing the big three, which makes sense. That's what you compete in. Right. But I think kind of what you're alluding to is like, have your um, like specific phase of training, you know, focused around those big three or even variations of those lifts. But then when you're doing like a general phase of training, that's when you can incorporate kind of the opposite of what you normally would train. So maybe incorporate more Mm -hmm. yoga and mobility based um, 
drills so that you can practice movement patterns that you wouldn't normally do. Because I just saw someone, I forget who it was, I'm not going to name drop them, but (laughs) I just saw someone say that they like tweaked their back, picking up a dumbbell or like doing something really odd that it's like, I wonder if you, instead of doing those big three all the time, did some different movements to help your body just have a better adaptation if you wouldn't have got injured. So I think that's a really good point to just like, don't get so sucked into specialization because you could potentially hurt yourself. But if you have that like generalized approach at some point throughout the year or however you cycle your training, then you could potentially mitigate just like little freak accidents from picking something up wrong. (laughs) Yeah, right. And that, you know, that kind of brings me back to my point where you're spending all this time training, right? You're gaining all this muscle, you're, you're, you're producing higher and higher weights in, in your big lifts or whatever, you know, you're doing at that time. And then you get tweaked, like picking a pencil off the ground. Right. Mm. So it's like, so are you really training for health and, and, and fitness then if you can't just do these basic, you know, body movements. And that's kind of where um, my strength training and the, the movement kind of meets in the middle where mm-hmm. um, it, you know, you were talking about phases and like, you know, general, general prep and things like that, where, you know, you talk about that in athletes where you're trying to build a big base that you can build on so that they can build skills and strength on top of that later. Right. And yeah. it doesn't even have to be a full phase of that. It could be like, Hey, this guy deadlifts, whatever, three times a week, super heavy. Like, why doesn't he, you know, do a few, um, you know, bridges or like, mm. you know, a, even just a few yoga flows or some Cossack squats. And, yeah. you know, so why don't you start moving your joints and other angles to even warm up? Mm. You know, it yeah. can be, I, I really wish that's something I applied when, I, you know, I was lifting really heavy because, you know, you could just get up there, do a few, you know, warm ups with the bar and just start yeah. loading the weight. Yeah, I think that's very common. I think a lot of people do do that. And I think in the end, you do pay for that. Yeah, it's it's more uh, time efficient in the moment. But I agree. It's like I did the same thing. You know, you have squats for the day. You're like, I don't want to be in here three hours. So I'm just gonna do the bar then jump just hit Yeah, quickly get to my working sets and then you're done. You're like, cool, knock that out. And maybe for a year, you see really good progress doing that. But then you know, long-term, is that really most appropriate? So. Right. And so we could even go back to that. Like, yes, you, you can probably get progress for six months to a year, maybe, maybe even more. And then what happens when, um, you know, maybe your squat wasn't perfect. It didn't look good. Or maybe you had some hip shift or like a butt wink mm-hmm. and, you, you know, maybe a little bit of ankle mobility or hamstring mobility could have helped that. So now you have to take six months off squatting completely, which I've done before. I'm sure most heavy lifters have done before. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you would have just been stronger two years from now, not taking six months off and going slower or taking care of other things before. So it's one of those things where, um, you know, ask yourself like what the prerequisites are for this movement. Do I have them? No. Okay. If I don't, okay. Can I address them at least on the side? I know you do Mm. want to still, most people still, aren't going to completely get rid of heavy lifting. Sure. Mm-hmm. But okay. What can I work on on the side? And I tell yeah. people it doesn't take a ton of time because once you start realizing that I'm taking this many minutes of rest in between my sets, I tell people, why don't you just create supersets where 
between heavy deadlifts, you know, powerlifters take forever anyway, right? You could write a book in between the sets, two, two, three, four, five minute rest. You could just hang out in 90-90 or have move through something while you're resting. Mm. Uh, you know, hang out in deep squat, uh, hang from a bar for one or two minutes in between and just hit it again. So it's like, once I started to realize, whoa, like I can do something with my rest time and it's not going to be strenuous to where it's not going to, you know, allow me to lift the heavy weight. Why not do mobility in between? There's so mm. much wasted time. I wish that's one of the things I wish I knew before that if I just did mobility for every minute that I was resting in between heavy lifts, like who knows how, you know, what I could have done with that. And I do apply that to myself now and, and to my clients and people I work with, like why waste time just resting? Especially like, I feel like a lot of people in the like movement culture athletes, they don't like to sit around. They want to be like (laughs) occupied doing something. So if you're like, Hey, you can do this during the rest time. It's like, cool. I can be active the whole session. (laughs) And if you think about it too, like a lot of the adaptations we're trying to find are, you know, something to stimulate an adaptation, right? So you're lifting heavier weight, progressive overload, eventually you're going to gain strength and muscle, right? And a lot of these things that we apply to are just human adaptations. Mm. So just spending more time in certain positions, you're going to gain mobility there. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to spend one or two hours stretching. I know no, almost nobody wants to do that, right? Yeah. But it doesn't have to be active or passive. I know there's an argument for both of them, Mm. sure but like you can just hang out in a deep squat while you're resting for a deadlift or like a heavy chin-up or something like that yeah so um finding ways to be efficient in your training is huge especially i think in the culture now where you always have to be go 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 but (laughs) um you know find ways to apply it within your day and i think that's huge on the lifestyle uh set as well yeah just to be sustainable and and not like you said have to take six months off and then have to rebuild from the bottom because that's completely shitty that's exactly what i had to do in my yeah i've had to do that multiple times i went back from you know squatting 500 600 to the bar Mm. i would say at least three or four times in my life wow really yeah yeah so it's i mean any back tweak right it's like okay you have to start over at Uh, least you know maybe you'll ramp up really quickly sure but um yeah yeah, rest it address something else and I guess that's another thing train around it what are what are you going to do now Mm. so um there's a lot you can do and still strengthen your legs Uh, there was multiple times where I completely backed off heavy squats heavy deadlifts you know I was moving close to 500 at the time and I was able to pick right to almost where I was before within the span of six months of not doing each just from unilateral work heavy Bulgarian split squats, heavy Cossack squats, heavy pistols, mm. and just even work in ankle mobility and things like that, honestly. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so I tell people that you can really maintain a lot of strength doing single-legged movements, body weight movements. I think they're underrated for sure. Yeah, I that's something working with you, I've definitely learned. Um, what was the transition from bodybuilding to powerlifting for you? Was that like you were injured from bodybuilding, so you wanted to try powerlifting or? Well, I was, it was kind of like a blend. I was, I would say I was a hybrid. I think I was uh, um, a stronger bodybuilder because I was always kind of like a power athlete. So okay. honestly, I would say like based off my body type, I was probably more of a powerlifter than a bodybuilder. It was hard for me to put muscle on. 
it was easier for me to be strong. So I was in the process of, okay, I'm mm -hmm. done with bodybuilding at this point. And I was, I was like wanting to get ready for a meet. And then I just couldn't do it. Like my shoulder couldn't bench anymore. Um, I could have done it. I could have pushed through a lot of pain and just really did it and just push it. My numbers were high at the time. And then that, that was where the shift came. And I was like talking to myself, you know, for a while thinking about like, okay, where am I going to go from here? You know, I'm 27 years old. Um, you know, I have back pain. I have, you know, foot pain. I have shoulder pain. Like, am I going to keep mm -hmm. pushing with bodybuilding or powerlifting or, you know, mm -hmm. it may be better off and, that's where I kind of, I just started yoga. It was like, I need to do something. What's something I can get better at? What's something I've never done before? Okay, let's try yoga. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I got, you know, started into like some type of yoga practice. It was just, I guess, you know, cold turkey, heavy lift. Let's, okay, let's try to move better. Because at the time, you know, I didn't know too much about, you know, the mobility thing, like other than, mm -hmm what you what you learn like going through like a nasm certification or something like that like corrective gotcha. and things like that so that's when that led me to that which branched out into 10 other things right i didn't know that you had like i didn't know you dove strictly into yoga i knew that you had experience with mobility but i didn't know you like actually spent some time in the world of yoga yeah i would say so i mean a few years on and off i would definitely mm. jump into classes um, it was definitely one of the first things where, um, you know, I, I was a strength athlete. So, you know, you get used to being one of the strongest guys in the gym or one of the strongest guys in the room. And it was one of those big kind of shockers where I was the worst one in every yoga class for sure, by far, like not even close. And <laughs> I was so tight. Like, yeah. And I, I would just be sweating. I was so heavy that, uh, holding, you know, it's one of those jokes, right? Where like a downward dog is a resting position, like yoga <laughs> to say, right? So it's, I was just horribly bad at it, really heavy, breathing hard, sweating all over the place. And mm. my mobility was horrible. I already knew it. But then when you're in a class with other people that have been doing yoga for a while, you're like, okay, this is really bad. Because, you know, oh, no. you're, you start to normalize you know, bodybuilders and powerlifters, right? Which mm, is, yeah. You know, a lot of them can't move either to be yeah, yeah. And, and that's when I was like, okay, what can I do to, to get this better? And then that's when I really dove into um, the education and the application, like, okay, what can I improve? What are some other training methods I can uh, include in my training? And then that's what led me into, you know, I was doing a combination of yoga, gymnastics, strength training, got mm -hmm. into martial arts, like all within the span of a few years. Oh, wow. so just really like for, for a few years there, my 100% goal was to move better. Okay. I did, I did not touch a weight for almost two years, two or three years. Yeah. Just, it's, which is I, crazy. It is. And I, I feel like anyone I talk to who has had a similar experience to you or myself as well, because like I mentioned, I had an injury and had to take six months off at least from like heavy lifting. It's like you almost have to experience that and feel what it's like in your body to just be like so restricted or so beat up and injured that you're just like, okay, I surrendered to the barbell and to heavy lifting. <laughs> like I really want to be strong still. Cause like, I know, you know yeah. heavy ass squat or heavy deadlift. It feels so good to just be like so powerful, but at the cost of, you know, feeling like shit in your everyday life or just being beat up, you're like, okay, 
my, that's when I see people have this mindset shift of, I just want to be able to move well and feel good in everyday life. Right. And it's one of those things where you almost have to reach that point where, you know, like I said, that sport or those lifts or whatever you're doing at that time is almost your entire being, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm a power lifter. I bench squat, deadlift. I'm a bodybuilder. I lift heavy every single day. And then one day you either can't do it or your body's telling you not to. And it's like, I'm sure there are people that just keep going, which is fine. You know, if that's what they want to do, but you, you start to see and feel the implications of that when really like it, and it doesn't have to be full blown like me where I just did, or I'm not lifting for two or three years. It can Mm. be, you know, let's take the weight off maybe 25%. We'll do 75% of what I usually work with. I, or, you know, out of like a five day training week, let's maybe take one day off and put either yoga or some type of conditioning, or maybe I'll learn kettlebells today where I'm moving through Mm -hmm. ranges of motion here, or I'll take a class of some sort that's totally separate from what, whatever I do. And who knows, like you could still lift, you know, heavy quote unquote, but you may even have a a longer um, training span. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just the biggest thing I see now as a coach is just trying to like, broaden the mindset of athletes when they are so caught up in, I want to be good at this one thing. It's like, yeah, but do you want to be able to do that one thing for the next year or for the rest of your life? Like if you really love it, then how can we make, how can we set up your movement practice in a way that allows you to enjoy this for the long term instead of just like beating yourself up session to session and then, you know, burning yourself out or possibly getting right. injured. <laughs> and so one of the things that addresses both the burnout and the injuries, right, is the variety. And I always, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of my favorite quotes this way is, or favorite quotes to say is the body thrives on variety, variety of movement, variety of hobbies, of friends, you know, mm-hmm. you know, once you start to put yourself into one, you know, box, it becomes so small and you're missing so much. Right. Mm. You could learn, you could learn a lot from other people or, you know, other athletes from other sports. And I think that's where a lot of my learning came in when I started to spend time with, you know, people outside of the general fitness or general bodybuilding or general powerlifting. Right. Once you start talking to, you know, a yogi, a Pilates teacher, Mm. uh, you know, like a a martial arts instructor or, you know, a, a rock climber, like there's so many other avenues of fitness versus going to the gym, burning calories or lifting heavy, right? So there's, I know that's, those are the few main things that everyone, you know, is kind of mainstream, but there are people out there that do, you know, these fantastic sports that have completely different mindsets um, than, than yours. Yeah. That's a really good point. And like, when you do watch these athletes from different sports, you kind of see the crossover of like, movement is just movement at its core. And that's like, there was a podcast, I think I listened to with Eric Helms, um, iron culture. And they talked about like the history of lifting and how, where it came from, like before, like the agricultural revolution, before there was machinery and how it got started with like calisthenics. And even like, I forget the date as far back as they talked about, but how. Oh, calisthenics they've been doing since 
like ancient Greek times is definitely the oldest form of training for sure. Yeah, it was just so interesting because that was the first time I really got a glimpse into like movement just as like, like before sports were really talked about. And it's like we put started putting movement into boxes of like, okay, this is going to be soccer. This exactly. is baseball. This is powerlifting. And it was just like, yeah, I think what you're alluding to is the, you just start to see how the body moves and like flexion, extension and the, through the different planes and rotation. Yeah. 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 And so, and so once you start to understand that you can start to bring that to your own training. Mm. Right. And so, um, you know, we keep taking it back to sports because I always tell people like, think of yourself as an athlete. Every human is some form of an athlete. You have a body, it works and you're trying to get it to perform better or function better or look better. Sure. Um, and okay, we should start training like one then. And you start to realize, okay, maybe there are other planes than this straight sagittal plane where I'm bench pressing, right? I'm squatting in this plane. Um, once you start looking at the human body, everything that you do has some either rotation or anti-rotation in it, mm. right? So that's, you know, that's punching, that's swinging a baseball bat, that's golf, that's tennis, that's kicking, and, you know, that, that's running. And, and one, one of the things that I really, you know, kind of really opened my eyes to, whoa, like there's rotation in everything, is mm. that when someone mentioned that walking is rotation. Mm. walking is you're not a robot with a leg that you know that just steps in front of the other like it's coming from your trunk and your hips right yeah so it's like okay so then let's say I pick up someone from the gym like you know you point one out one out of ten you know and you look at their training program like is there any rotation in there at all or mm. rotation? probably not right they probably have bench press they're probably curling and they're probably getting on a treadmill mm -hmm. and then they're wondering why they hurt themselves shoveling or you know playing a weekend sport yeah like you haven't rotated like, once in 20 years or trained you, it frankly yeah that's exactly what I was gonna say are you training to perform well at life or are you training just to focus on your sport which right. is yeah I think it, it does just take experience of like like I said unfortunately getting hurt or like getting to the point where you are your body is screaming at you and it's like yes this doesn't feel good please help me for you to realize okay do I need to switch up my training or how can I view training differently so that's it I'm not using the sport as a reason that I that I need to move my body like I'm I'm moving my body because I know it makes me feel good and it helps me just feel better for everyday life rather than I need to be a pick your type of athlete in order to exercise. Does that make sense? Right, exactly. And that's one of the things you want to bring up to someone to really start to, you know, ask them like, like what your goals are and, mm. you know, if, and obviously most people will say, I want to be healthy. And it's like, okay, so let's take a look at your day or your week or your, your whatever plan or training plan you're doing. And, you know, they're, they just feel like crap. They can't move well. They're overtraining or they're, you know, they're focusing on this one lift or this one attribute, right? Whether it be just leanness or just muscle size. Mm. And then you, you can take them back to where like, okay, so are, are we healthier? Because in mm -hmm. the end, like we're all in, 
kind of like the health and, and fitness industry, right? And and it it just gets sold as you know who can get leaner or who can get stronger, um, mm. when really, um, you start to branch out, like I said, into other sports, into other avenues where you know it's less extreme you know if i could yeah. say that like like yoga rock climbers it starts to be for the love of movement or for, for the love of exploring mm. and, and then once you add a little bit of that into your training you kind of get this broad base like sure i could be i could be powerful i could be strong i could look good and i could still move well it's definitely yeah. possible you just need to um, look at training differently. And then that will start to kind of open your eyes into, okay, like what can I do or add or change about um, either my training or, you know, how I view physical activity or exercise. Yeah. And I think once people do have that shift of how they view training, those are the people who do build like sustainable strength and power and endurance and all of those things, because they know how to navigate. So they don't get injured, which means they can show up more consistently and often and do the thing. (laughs) Yes. And, And so the further I get into my career or training and coaching longer, once you really start learning from the top guys of each field, almost all of them continue to say that consistency is so much more important than intensity when it comes to Mm. high levels of elite, elite, elite performance. Interesting. Like you're better off, um, you know, showing up multiple times a week, every single week, than going so hard that you get injured and then you have to take a week off or a a Mm. month off and then you try again. And then it comes as end of cycle when you, you know, the person who's just more consistent is going to end up performing a lot better when it comes time to. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I was just listening to one of Tom Merrick's YouTube videos and yeah. on handstands. And he said almost the exact same thing. He took you through a day of his training of handstands and it was doing the, the actual movement, but then doing the opposite movement pattern too. And then like, I don't know, one or two accessory movements. And he was like, yep, that's it. I keep my training really simple because yeah, so it simple. helps me be consistent. So it's like, yeah, that's and, it. You know, now that you bring that up, um, the, you know, the longer I've been training, the shorter some of my workouts are, or mm. I just view training differently. Mm. You know, it was, you know, in my early 20s, I don't know if this comes from bodybuilding or powerlifting. It was like, basically, how many sets, how much time I can spend in a gym, and I would just be banging set after set after set after set, right. And now it's, you know, once you learn a little bit more from like gymnastics, strength training, or, mm. or yoga, they, they have different sentiments, right? Like um, gymnastics and body weight training is very skill-based. Mm. So there's a certain point where let's say you start training handstand, you start kicking into your handstand, you do a few reps, you rest a little bit, and then you hit it again. There's a certain point where there's no point in training it because you're starting to get fatigued. So then your practice is getting bad. So then you're practicing bad practice. And it's like, so you're practicing at being worse at your handstand, basically. (laughs) So that's one thing I really learned about body weight training and gymnastics strength training is that for the most part, you have to be pretty fresh if you're doing skill work. Mm, Totally. And I don't know, you know, this is kind of going into the specifics of like my programming and your programming, but like if we're training ring muscle up, or we're training L-sit, or we're training, um, you know, handstands, 
you start to see like three sets of one, three sets of three, which mm. you almost never see that in, in, in bodybuilding, right? So it's like one of those things or, or the CrossFitters even, right? It's always like, how fast can I do this? Or how much mm. can I do this? You know, how many rounds can I get in this time? Yeah. And one, one thing I did learn from, um, you know, the guys at GMB stated perfectly too, because they are big into the body weight training. It's like, you want quality practice, especially yes. if you're trying to get skills. Yes. So you're better off kicking up in a handstand a few times a day than trying to kick into it for an hour. And then, mm. the, you know, the last 30 attempts were bad, right? Yes. You, you can't create body tension. Your, your core strength is gone. Your wrists are hurting. Uh, you know, that's another thing too. Like you're, you're probably going past, you're probably going to get an injury. Yeah, that's uh, something, the same lesson that you're speaking to is the book for listeners. If you want to check it out, Overcoming Gravity. That was one of the big takeaways that yes, I got book. from that. It was like, Okay, do you want to have an intentional, like good, I don't know, let's just say 20 minute session where you're completely focused, dialed in the whole time, you're doing clean reps, or do you want to do, you know, 60 minutes, but the last 40 minutes, you're just like, I don't really want to be here. And you're not even like focused. I think that makes a huge difference. Right. So then you're not gaining the skill. You're probably overtraining and you probably should just rest. Yeah. Right? Or do something else, do mobility. Like why does it have to be like more strength or more volume on certain muscles or more practice on one movement, uh, you know, move on to something else. So that's, that's another thing too, where it comes to like balance of your training, you know, maybe it is good to do work on multiple skills or goals at once. And that's, mm. that's automatically going to add variety. Right. Yeah. And I think the one point you made about how your view of training has shifted over time, it, it really makes a difference in how you approach each session. If you are coming at it from like, okay, I'm an athlete and I want to compete at this competition in the next year. So right. that leads you to like putting and all this work that you think you need to be doing. So like two or three hour sessions that are just like so taxing on your body rather than then approaching it from this is some the training is something I want to do for life. So if I get 20 minutes in today, and I feel really good about it, that's enough for the day. And that's like just building your foundation for the rest of your, your yeah, life. And, and you can still stay really strong like that. You can still stay really mobile. Um, you don't have to do like two hour sessions, you know, here and there. And quite frankly, like most people can't and once I started realizing that, okay, you can break your training up into pieces. I know, you know, from bodybuilding, right? It's like, you have to be in the gym for like an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, and just hit the volume and, you know, get into the hypertrophy sets and reps and not let, not let your body get cold. Um, what I think it was when I got into um, body weight training, gymnastics, strength training, where it was longer rests you know, a few reps mm -hmm. here and there and being fresh. And it was just a big shift for me, right? Like if you're used to um, like doing circuits or supersets uh, and just, you know, just burning like being it out. busy the whole time. Basically. Yeah. And once I started to realize that you can start to split your, your training too. I was like, whoa, I can do, if I'm busy, I can do three sets of three muscle ups here in the morning and then maybe I could do like 
five sets of five deadlift in the afternoon. You know, mm-hmm. why does it have to be one full deadlift session? Or like, why does it have to be 15 minutes of mobility and then my training session and then like a stretching cool down? It's mm-hmm. like, sometimes if I have, you know, five, 10 minutes in between something, I'll get on the floor and just sit into, into, into a position or move into a position. And it's like, you know, that's kind of training. You're still moving your body and you're still doing something, you know, more than you would just sitting there. Yeah. So I like, like I always thought that you had to be, and I think this is a very common thing. Like you had to be sweating when you left, when you left the gym, you have to be just dead mm-hmm. fried, just completely, you know, done to feel like you got a workout in. Right. I know that's like a huge thing, Yeah. but really you can maintain a lot of general fitness constantly moving throughout the day and constantly getting some training stimulus and moving your body in multiple ways and, you know, lifting heavy a few times a week and doing mobility a few times a week, you can, you know, hold a healthy, happy, injury-free body and still perform well when you need to. Yeah. I think that's just like uh, what you were talking about earlier and something that I know I've experienced. And, you know, as we get older, we now see this younger generation coming into the gym and I don't want to say making the same mistakes as us because like we're trying to guide them better, but they are like, doing the specialized training and they're so young that they just feel good in their body all the time. So they have this like superhuman mindset that I could just push and do whatever all the time. Um, but that doesn't last forever. So I think like priming and helping them to understand how to have this variability in their training for a more like long-term mindset is going to benefit them. Right. And, and that's a hard thing to do when you are young, because I know that even if you told me that when I was 20 something, like lifting super heavy, I would have been like, whatever, dude. Um, <laughs> but once you start to, you know, show them that someone can possibly do it. Like if someone like me, I've been training heavy and I can still move well, I can still function and I can still perform and, you know, whatever then it's like, whoa, okay, you can do multiple things. Like you don't have to only lift heavy or you don't only have to do this. Like there's so much to be said from various forms of cross training. And like Mm -hmm. I said, you can really learn a lot from other um, influences. And that's why, you know, the big thing now is like, if you have kids, like put them in multiple sports, get them like moving, put them in dance, put them in martial arts, because the bigger you can get uh, the range of their movement, the more they're going to develop into higher levels at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. I always say the same thing. Like I always say to my friends who have kids, put them in gymnastics. Cause I feel like you get such yeah. a broad base in that sport, like just a solid foundation. Um, and that's what one of my former coaches, one of my softball coaches told me after I got injured from powerlifting, he was like, that's why you need to play multiple sports because doing it's one true. thing is how you get injured. And I was like, oh shit, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And that's every sport. So it's like, yeah, we nitpick only from personal experience with like, you know, being in the gym with bodybuilding and powerlifting, but every sport you can look it up. They have a tendency for injury. Mm-hmm you know, it's, it's different in everybody, but there is, it's, it's there. Like most runners are going to be injured within a year. I think it's yeah. 90% or something like that. Right. Foot problems, plantar fasciitis, knee problems, hip, you know, hip issues. And that, you know, even cyclists too, people who spin all the time, 
the, a lot of them will have knee problems and, and things like that. So really a lot of things are dose dependent. Mm. And if you start to think of exercise and stimulus as a dose, then you start to think a little bit differently because your body can handle something up to a certain threshold. And then if you give it time to rest, it's going to adapt to that stimulus. Right. Mm. But if you're constantly hitting, hammering it over and over and over, and then you're not one, you're not letting it recover or rest or adapt. And two, you're, there's no variety in your movement either. So your joints are still moving in the same plane. You're, you're getting the same impact forces. You're getting the same shear forces or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Uh, that's why the body, eventually the body will break down. And that's, you know, one of the things too, when you're looking at injury is that that specific tissue either chronically went through a load repetitively that it couldn't handle or couldn't slow mm. down, or it acutely, you know, wasn't able to handle the forces put on that tissue. So it's, it's one of those things where one strengthening it for sure, strengthening all the tissue, the muscles, the ligaments, the tendons around those joints and two, letting it rest, do something else, find mm. some other stimulus. And, uh, you know, and that could just be as simple as I'm squatting heavy one day, I'm doing pull-ups another day. But it could be totally as a totally different sport. You know, maybe I'm a power lifter and then I swim on Wednesdays. Yeah. It could be anything, but I would say that power lifter is probably more likely to not get injured because they're doing other things. Yeah. They have that variation that you talked about. Yeah. And that's not only movement patterns, that's load, that's for impact forces. Uh. Um, and so those are other things too, to think about too. Like you can really control a lot of things. And there are strength and conditioning coaches that even, um, you know, write programs based off spinal loading. Like how much mm. are you putting on that person's spine in one session, mm -hmm. which is, yeah. you know, I wish I thought about that in the past. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All the things that we like should have cut a water back then, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Now we've learned and we can teach other people. Right. Um, so when you got into yoga and bodyweight fitness and uh, I'm assuming like each, you know, through all of your phases, this is all like evolving your coaching at the same time as you evolve as, yes, as an athlete. 100%. <laughs> yeah. So what were like, um, cause I know you're currently in more of the exploration of endurance training. So what was the, I don't know if you want to dive into like what drew you, well, you already talked about what drew you to mobility, but like mm -hmm. what drew you from mobility into the endurance field? <laughs> um, I don't know. So I guess let's go back. It's, I yeah. was able to, you know, dabble into, you know, strength and power sports and then, you know, physique and then um, like, you know, Olympic lifting into like gymnastics mm. training and yoga. And so basically I felt like I touched everything already. And uh, in terms of, um, you know, the knowledge base and the application, it's like, I want to do it myself. Like if I'm going to be, you know, for example, like when I was getting my graduate degree, we had to write plans for multiple sports. Okay. Right? And it's like, I just felt like I was a fraud writing an endurance plan like, you know, you don't know what it feels like. You don't know how to build this really. Like, yeah, you can read it out of a book, but can mm -hmm. you apply it? Do you know what it feels like to go through this training or what's, what's the week, you know, the weekly load and, and training schedule like? So mm -hmm. um, 
I think it just came from like a natural curiosity, which a lot of, you know, my other training backgrounds have, but there, there's one of those things too, where, like I said, you need a variety in your training one, because mm-hmm. you're getting different stimuluses and, or stimuli, sorry. And from then you're getting different forms of health and fitness too, mm-hmm. because like I said before, like one, I couldn't move. And a lot of people that are heavy lifters, like, you know, they, they don't have the, they have poor mobility. Uh, and then you could even say that those same people, they don't do any cardio, like unless it's time to cut weight, right? Yeah. Unless it's time to get ready for a show or make weight for a competition. And that's the only time you're going to do incline walking on a treadmill. Right. Or maybe so, they'll do like 12 reps of their accessory work. Yeah. <laughs> that's endurance. Yeah, that's Muscle endurance. Powerlifting <laughs> endurance cardio training. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so really like, are, are, is that person healthy, like cardiovascularly? Like mm. maybe someone has a 500 pound deadlift and they can't, you know, jog a mile without being winded. Right. Mm. Which is fine. Okay. Sure. Specialized, get strong. But if you're just like an, an average person training, or, you know, just trying to be healthy, like, and then, and then you have coaches or um, trainers that are putting them on a bodybuilding plan or putting them on like a heavy lifting plan. uh, And there's no like zone two cardio, or it's all Mm. high intensity training. They don't even have like an aerobic base to, to handle that. And so if we're talking about overall health and cardiovascular health, yeah, you need to spend some time in lower um, heart rate ranges and hang out there for a while to build you know, the left ventricle and its ability to, you know, pump blood and oxygen to, to your lungs and muscles. And so that's huge. And no one's talking about that. That's one thing I wish I did some like low intensity cardio or like medium, what do you call it? Yeah. Like, um, not high intensity. Yeah. I guess medium intensity, whatever the the zone two you were talking about when I was powerlifting, but it was always for like weight loss purposes. I exactly. wasn't, I wasn't that's, thinking that's of like, issue. yeah, I wasn't thinking of like, oh, this is going to help with my recovery or just like my heart health. <laughs> and that's the thing too. I think that, um, you know, cardio is kind of demonized in strength circles or mm. even just an average population, right? Like, like running is like this horrible thing, right? Um, I do think it stems from one, if you're playing sports as a kid like running is a punishment yeah so then you're already digging into like instead of being this fun thing that your body can do it's like oh my god like i'm doing this painful thing and they're making me do it as punishment that's one and two i think it comes from the mindset too of weight loss right Mm -hmm. because you know obviously that is the the main form of why people exercise at at the moment yeah Um, and which you know, it, it is definitely a, a national issue, but people are doing cardio specifically for weight loss or for mm-hmm. calories burned. So then it's, you're only doing it for this specific thing. Maybe you're trying to change your body. Maybe you're trying to look better, feel better about yourself. Um, and it's not about the activity in itself. And so most people don't stick with it they hate it. Most people hate running or or doing cardio at all. You hear that all the time. It doesn't feel good and they're not good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you go into like endurance circles or you talk to, um, you know, a runner or a track athlete or something, it's like, and you ask them why they do it. And they're like, cause it's fun. 
because I mm. love it. And this is, it's crazy to say that because, you know, being from my background, but then you start to think about like trail running or people that mm. do marathons and things like that. Like they're outside exploring, they're outside at, at sunset or, uh, or at sunrise and they're up in the mountains or they're finding trails. Mm. And then it's more of this thing of enjoyment. And those mm. are the people that really stick to it. They're the ones that have really good cardiovascular and endurance basis. It's because it's not coming from a negative place. I think most yeah. people attach cardio to something negative as pu- either punishment or trying to lose weight. Yeah. That's- and who knows, you may, if you end up falling in love with running, cycling, rowing, or something like that as a sport in itself, you know, then maybe you probably are going to lose weight in the Mm -hmm. end you know if you're in a calorie balance right so it's a negative calorie balance so that's the funny thing that is like you have to get someone to love something first and it can't be Mm. out of punishment because they're just not going to stick with it yes that's like a lot of people that I actually work with come to me to like heal trauma in their body from the negative relationship with movement that they were taught growing up so they had coaches that like burnt them out, pushed them into the ground in their sports and basically just like beat up their body. And now they're like, I am scared to move my body. I don't want to get injured or like, you know, everything's just painful for me. And so it's like yeah. reteaching that um, positive outlook on how movement can be a good thing and actually make you feel good and not just make you feel like shit all the time. Yeah. Or the other thing you talked about, it doesn't have to be just focused on weight loss. It can be because you learn to enjoy it. And there's like a curious, uh, like adventure side to it of like learning more about what your body can do or like going outside, connecting with nature and like all of those things too, that can just be really good for. Right. And it's crazy that like once, (laughs) and and just like normal, you know, gym media or social media, that seems like so frou-frou to the average, you know, you're scrolling through Instagram or whatever. And it's like, you know, abs this, you know, lose weight here, you know, get on this diet for whatever. And that's what I mean when I say once you start having a variety of training styles or physical activity, like you don't see that in like trail running, right? It's more about Uh, exploring. It's like hiking. Yeah. And things like that. So that's once you start to branch out into um, other, other modes of activity, it becomes less about how you look like, how much weight you can lift, and you start to learn and pick from other things. And I think that's why it starts to become very healthy where you're, you're just doing, like as you said, um, you know, it could be exploration of your body itself or even exploration of just being outside, you know, mm-hmm. finding a new trail, finding a new road, what, things like that, where those are all parts of physical activity that, um, you know, don't have to be inside a gym. Yeah, yeah, just kind of non-traditional routes. Um, right. And you can maintain a lot of fitness and health through that. And I tell people that, um, you know, movement and physical activity existed long before any type of traditional gym setting or weight training. And yeah. there was plenty of people that, you know, they were healthy, they weren't overweight, they weren't trying to lose weight. But obviously, it was more physical labor, or, you know, it was just part of your day back then. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, like, why can't we kind of go back to that where, movement is kind of its own right in itself to where it doesn't have to be attached to either getting stronger or losing weight or burning calories. 
Yeah, just more like it's a part of your lifestyle to exactly feel That's good it. day to day. We've gotten so accustomed to like just being able to sit on our couch and scroll Amazon Prime, have stuff delivered to us. We don't even have yeah. to go out anymore. And, it's like, so shop, programmed. So. It's it's kind of like at this point you're the one that has to make an effort to do it because the way that the society we live in now is, um, you know, I saw this quote, I don't know who wrote it at the top of my head, but it was like, it mentioned that movement is so, you know, removed from our day to day Mm -hmm. that you don't even have to turn your head around to back your car up. Yeah. Wow. And if you talk about those extremes, you're like, wow, we really just don't move at all. So that is crazy. I've never. Yeah, that. it's true though. You know, that's what a rear-facing camera is, is so you don't turn your head. Wow. And you could find multiple examples of that, right? Yeah. Amazon Prime, Uber Eats. You know, I'm guilty of using some of these things, but I, I do make sure I get my movement in. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I think that's what attracts people to move to warmer climates is so that they can like have a lifestyle where they just wake up and they go surf in California or Hawaii or whatever, or you live out in Oregon and Washington, you can go just hike mountains whenever you want. And the the culture, the environment that you're in, uh, it determines so much about what type of mover you are. If you do decide to move your body, because you and I both living more in like Midwest United States. It's <laughs> cold so often. And yeah. people are just like, I don't want to go outside. That it's like the only time they would get exposed to moving their body is if they actually do get to, into a gym. But then, you know, some people, there's stigma around like, oh, I don't, I don't want to go to the gym. That sounds like it's going to suck because yeah, learn. So yeah, so much education to shift Right. So at that point, like maybe that person doesn't have to sign up for a gym and do a traditional type of thing. Like who knows, maybe they can start doing yoga at home mm-hmm. or, you know, they could be like me and run all through winter, you know? Yeah. It's, it doesn't have to be this specific thing. And it could just be like implementing like more movement throughout their day, like walk more, um, you spend time in deep squat, get a pull-up bar and hang from it. Uh, um, there are just so many ways that you can apply it and you know really gain the benefits you get from like overall daily movement and you need variety of movement too so applying those and like you said being educated into the fact that I have to actively do this into my life now because it's so easy to sit on a computer you know wake up people are working from home nowadays sit on a computer for eight hours a day and then get off, order Uber Eats, and then sit on my couch. Yeah. So yeah, you can talk about the whole calorie burn thing. That's why we're overweight and we're not moving enough. But it's like, if people moved as much as they need to, half of the equation would be solved. Yeah. You know, the other half is food, which is, you know, another topic. But <laughs> those are two things that are very unnatural in our life right now, that if we just take it back to like, what the human body was meant to do, which I'm huge on, mm-hmm. automatically, you're going to be healthier. You know, a lot of the health implications that come with lack of movement, lack of exercise or poor diet start to improve just from taking your body back to what it was supposed to be or move it how it was supposed to move as frequently as often, you know, things like that. Yeah. So 
and for people who don't have like, you know, aren't in a consistent movement routine, if someone were to come to you, um, I'm assuming your approach would be like, start them on something that they can do sustainably. So I think a lot of like people from the outside say, okay, I'm going to get a coach to help me with my movement or training. And they think it's going, okay, by taking that step, here we go, like put on your seatbelt, it's going to get intense. Or like they have this vision of what a coach is going to do when they start training with them when really it's like, as a coach, you want to find something that is going to be something they can adhere to and isn't going to overwhelm them from the get-go so that they can stick with it basically. Right. And, and, and that's the thing too. Like if, if you're a coach and you're working with someone or you're working with general population, like your goal is to make them better. Mm. And that's, I think something you start to see too, when somebody is like new in the fitness industry or new into whatever kind of coaching or teaching that they're in is that they're trying to make all of their clients just like them. Mm. Right. Like, okay, I'm going to take this, you know, 30 year old desk worker and he's going to be training five days a week. Um, you know, an hour and a half a day, he's going to do lifting mobility and cardio all at once, you know, <laughs> from, from sedentary for the last 10 years. Right. Yeah. Like, is, is that smart or applicable? Um, I think you really have to figure out, like get a background on that person, talk to them, know what their lifestyle is, learn what their stresses are um, and have like an open feedback. Like, okay, what can we do in your week or your day to improve your health or your movement or, you know, um, get you stronger, mitigate pain. Like, you know, for some people, like just doing a few squats a day and walking a little bit, like obviously they're going to be better off than not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's like not having the um, mindset that everything has to be so extreme or so regimented is something that I've taken away from, you know, other movement practices, other outside of, you know, the strength and conditioning realm. Yeah. Yeah. So when you start working with someone, it's like completely different for each individual. It's like, you have to meet them where they're at kind of approach. Right. And it's, I think that is something that um, you know, I take pride in is that, okay, like, I like to work with someone like, okay, what, what, what our goals are, you know, what can we improve? What do we need to improve? And what does our total week look like? And how can we apply it? Because there are some people that they still want to power lift, right? I have clients, they still want to power lift. I have clients that they only want to do mobility work with me, or, you know, some people only want to do body weight training. So it's like, what's a good blend I can have for that person, uh, at least with my expertise and background, like what can I apply to help them for whatever they need and how we can apply it? Yeah. So just talking a little bit more about your coaching, did you ever aspire to be like, I mean, it sounds like no, but did you ever aspire to be like just a powerlifting coach or just a bodybuilding coach or were you just like, I want to do it all? <laughs> I think at the times, you know, I might have been thinking like, okay, this is my sport. I'm going to stay in the circle for a long time. Uh, and I think it just naturally developed. Yeah. With um, like my own training practice, my own movement practice. And then you ended up, you know, getting different certifications or branching out into multiple sports and things like that. So my coaching ended up being kind of, like a blend of 
multiple disciplines, which I love it. You know, I wouldn't change it. Not my training is something similar. Um, you know, I definitely pick and choose a little bit of each discipline and apply it to my training. I think it's so cool that you have been able to do that though, because like, I mean, I come from a corporate background previously, so they're always like trying to specialize you in something mm -hmm. to get you really good at that thing. But also like capitalism in and of itself kind of forces that to like specialize in this so that people can come to you and you can deliver that service. But with you, you've been able to like kind of generalize yourself across so many different disciplines that you can make new connections between all of these disciplines and see like, what does this person truly need? Like I, you have dove into the world of movement, which is specialized, but not, but it's so vast that you can help people. Like you see things so differently than other coaches, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, exactly. I, I definitely do think so because you get, you can view it from a different lens. Mm. Right. And so just even not only down to, I guess, even like training styles or a training week, down to like training philosophy and like, and even the way someone speaks about it. Like, like I said, um, you know, you can go all the way down into like regimented using percentages when it comes to powerlifting or, you know, it's, you know, writing a strength block. And then you have the opposite end of the spectrum where, you know, if you're in, into just strictly movement or you you know you you apply yourself as a mover mm. they're a hundred percent do everything on what feels good today or find multiple ways to move there's no sets there's no reps there's no way it's just you know make your body feel good yeah and so it's like okay like why can't there be a blend of a little bit of that uh, like why can't there be some like okay maybe if someone wants to get better at splits or at, at handstand it's like okay they need a blend of both of those there has to be some structure if they want to get better at something and they there has to be some variety and some play so that they still enjoy it and don't get injured and, mm -hmm. and things like that so um i think that's what i take from my multiple backgrounds is that the ability to pick and choose what parts of each discipline work really well and then kind of put it together into my own movement practice. Yeah. Yeah. That actually reminds me of the podcast I recorded before this. We are talking about autoregulation, which is kind of what you're explaining here, like being able right. to listen to your body on the day of training and make tweaks to your training as needed. So maybe you don't train, you know, at 85% of your max because you've had a really rough day at work or whatever. You didn't sleep well. So you're kind of stressed. Um, but she was saying that she never really applied autoregulation when she was powerlifting because of the mindset of powerlifting culture. Right. Is like, like you have to hit this number because the sport is based off numbers. Well, that and she said that um, like if you listen to your emotions or like whatever was going on mentally and you didn't adhere to the program, it meant you were like mentally weak too. And so there sure. was like that outlook that was affecting and she also that's every sport. Yeah. Or, you know, that's, uh, you know, you could even say that's just like American culture, right? Just like, mm. I need to be working as hard as possible all the time. Yeah. And as I said earlier, if you look at, you know, 
the high levels of any athlete is like there is some kind of undulation in their training there nobody is going 100 percent all the time there's no power lifter or olympic lifter that's lifting at 100 percent ever until unless until they're in uh a meet or something like that mm-hmm. um no high level endurance athlete is training a hundred percent at their, you know, 90 to hundred percent of their heart rate for long periods of time in their training. They're only doing that when it's time to race. Yeah. And so yeah. why do we have just the average person trying to get in shape? They're in their gym going a hundred percent every single day. And then wondering why they're injured or not seeing results or not sleeping well, or they're overly stressed. Right. So, that, you know, that's another concept that you could talk about too, is um, look at all the stressors in your life. And all of those are still coming out of the same bar, right? Yeah. So every um, little thing I do is taking away from this bar, whether it be, you know, I'm trying to start a business, I'm in school, um, I'm training, I have, you know, whatever, I have a nine to five. And mm -hmm. let's say I didn't sleep well, it was super stressful at work. And, you know, I'm super stressed out is it best for that person to try to hit the 85% of their max that day and, you know, get hurt because they didn't sleep well. They're, they're not hydrated. Yeah. Like, like so you're going to follow this number on this plan because it says so when it's not taken into account these other seven conditions. Yeah. That's like a huge thing that I learned while working with you was just like stress accumulates from everything. And I know it sounds 100%. like it yeah. like now saying it, I feel dumb that I didn't like make that realization before, but like, it's, it's a huge factor. Uh, and if you think about it, really forms of training is a stress, right? Mm -hmm. Strength training, endurance training, cardiovascular training. Uh, you could even say mobility training based off the, you know, the, the level of it. And so, and you, what you're talking about too, there is the intensity, the frequency Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, what are those things um, applied to your life as well? And there's, and it's funny because you can make correlations between uh, kind of parallels with training and your real, your regular life too. You have to think about the intensity, the frequency or the duration of, let's say I was working on a project for eight hours today. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's going to drain a lot of, you know, my mental and physical energy or I didn't get enough sleep. That's another stress, you know, and then weightlifting is a stress. Um, So there is all kinds of stresses in your life. And those are a big factor of injury. Like if, if you're dehydrated, if you didn't sleep well, you know, I think those are, have been rated as like the top two things. Like um, uh, when it comes to like going into the gym first thing in the morning and doing, doing a lift or something like that. Like if you're dehydrated, if you didn't sleep well, you're a very, very high risk to get injured. You might as well just have rested or do mobility, maybe go at 50% and just work the movement pattern. Yeah. Um, there, you know, you'll be back another day to be able to go heavy again. So there's no point in that, like maxing out on a Tuesday. Yeah. It's like, I think it's hard to get out of that mindset of like, I, this is what the program says. I'm going to stick to it. I want to like, you know, be dedicated to my goals. But like I said, that was one huge thing working with you. I was like stressed from all these other things outside of training, but because I was viewing 
because I took um, my CSCS and became a certified strength coach, mm-hmm. I would I remember like reading the graphs of like, okay, this is, you know, you have the stress recovery adaptation cycle. Yes. But in my head at the time, I'm thinking like, okay, stress only applies to training because I'm reading it in my strength and conditioning book. <laughs> and so like, yeah, and making that realization, it just took me like years later. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, Duh. me too. Um, I think that as you do develop and get older and train longer, mm. you have to start mitigating that and you start to get busier too. Like if, you know, it's, it's very situational and that's what you don't mm. get to when you're working with people. It's like, okay, maybe this person, they've been sedentary their whole life and they have, they work a desk job all day and, you know, maybe they have four kids at home and then you're going to write them out a plan. Like they're like a 20 year old bodybuilder. Right, yeah. like no job yeah right so they're going to be at the gym six times a week cardio you know empty you know empty stomach for fasted cardio in the morning and then they're going to come back like that's not realistic or likely or you know healthy for them like maybe they're better off lifting three days a week and then doing some steady state cardio the other days and some you know some mobility or yoga once a week something like that where um they might have better results from that because they're not overly stressed, overly trained and undernourished. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so much wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm probably just saying the same thing over and over, but I mean, honestly, I think most people need to hear it that yeah. it's, it's just very opposite of what most people think of when they think of health, fitness or um, overall you know, physical activity. It's almost always how many calories can I burn? Can I spend more time in the gym to burn off what so-and-so what I ate? And then mm. there's no positivity in there at all. It's yeah. not like, hey, I want to go to the gym today because I want to, you know, learn how to do a handstand or I want to um, explore what what can my body do today? You know, mm-hmm. what, what can I climb something? Can I learn a new sport? Can I do a new activity it's so many people have such a negative mindset or connotation with physical activity and that's why i think most people can't stick with a program or aren't successful with it um, Mm. is that um there's no enjoyment it's not coming from a positive place once you start to switch that it's like whoa you know look at what your body can do and that was one of the biggest things i think from shifting from bodybuilding to gymnastics strength training is the effect that you get from gaining a skill, mm. right? It's like, yeah, you, you do get PRs with a barbell, which I, I love. I love that. It's, it's so fun to get stronger. I think once you learn a skill that you've been working on for three months, six months, maybe even longer, it's like this huge thing. Like you want to celebrate, you know, the first yeah. time you get like a five or 10 second handstand or your first muscle up, or it could be anything, right? Like my, my ankle stayed down on a Christmas squat. It, it's so freeing and, and kind of energizing and motivating in a different way. That's not, Hey, I lost five pounds. Mm. Right? Yeah. It's like delayed gratification, but for something that you have a positive relationship with, like, it's not coming from that, like self-hatred i need to make myself smaller to right feel i need like to change worthy. myself i need to change something it's like i'm learning a new skill i'm building something i'm doing all these little pieces of this movement so i can get the full movement here later yeah yeah 
And it's like, not only are you like, I think I just put a post out about this the other day, but not only are you like developing the skill of a handstand to be able to do a handstand, but like, how does that affect you in other areas of your life too? Like I mentioned, being able to do a handstand teaches me like how to exert control, but also like let go. And that's like a skill I apply in other areas of my life too. So sure. And, and that's what I mean when I say different forms of training teaches you something different outside of the physical aspect of it. Right. Like for, for example, like powerlifting, you have to get amped up for one rep, Mm. you know, and then for something like, like a handstand, like go ahead and try to be amped up, take pre-workout and do a handstand. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things or like, you know, or jump into a yoga class too, where, um, you have to be able to control your body and mind and your breath or your, you know, yeah. your core in different ways. And you learn something totally different. And that's something now like exploring endurance training, you know, bodybuilding and powerlifting are very, you know, get hyped up, do this heavy set. Mm. And endurance training is like, how long can I hold on to this feeling of like, you know, maintaining this heart rate for an hour, two hours. Yeah. You know? They're two totally different kind of mental strengths that, you know, unless you do either side of them, you, you're not really gaining the benefit of that either. You know, it's almost meditative in, in mm. that sense. Okay. What, yeah, what have been like the biggest takeaways from endurance training so far? Well, I would say that's definitely one of them. It's like okay. the ability to clear your mind for like an hour, right? Mm. Like, and, and when lifting, it's like, you're not doing one lift for a whole hour. So yeah. If, um, if you're staring at the clock or, you know, you're looking at your pace or your heart rate too often, it's not, it doesn't move. Mm. So really it's like I said, there's a, there really is a meditative aspect to it where maybe you should just like enjoy being outside Mm. and just run for a while. And then who knows, you check your clock, you're five miles in. Right. And um, I think that's something that really um, came from endurance training from the mental side of it is like, you know, you don't have to be in a lot of pain or anything like that where, because, you know, I do mostly like lower heart rate training, Mm -hmm. but is it's the ability to be patient too, where, you know, if you're doing circuits, AMRAPs or whatever, it's just all go, 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 go. And like being patient, letting the miles build up and letting the adaptation of that come slowly um, it's, it's definitely something I would say I've learned from like endurance training. Mm, patience. I like that. Um, so what, now that we've kind of covered all of your bases, <laughs> dip, dove into, I, I guess like who, tell us a little bit more about like your biggest influences across, I don't know, the various disciplines or like who has influenced you the most and your movement. Sure. I would say, I mean, I could go based off of each type of sport and training too but I guess let's start with um like endurance training like Dr. Phil Maffetone he's like the creator of math training like low heart rate training with Arthur Lydiard um in terms of like gymnastics strength training uh coach Christopher Stummer is the um coach who created GST and I think he was the original um gymnastics coach for like applying it to CrossFit and mm. things like that. Um, as far as like strictly end range training, mobility training, um, I am certified in FRC, which the creator is Dr. Andrea Spina, 
Yeah, I love listening to him speak. He's a genius. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, great cook with FMS um, as far as just movement, um, as far as like general movement and different types of training. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, the guys over at GMB do really well. Ido Portal is one of basically the godfather of movement in terms of getting it to the masses, right? He mm-hmm. was touted as, you know, coaching Conor McGregor for fights and things like that. Yeah. And, and um, I would say, like, as far as, like, kettlebell training and things like that, pa- like Pavel Satsulin, he has great stuff. I d- definitely recommend, like, his books. And, and is he the strong first guy? He is. Okay. Yeah. So he's basically okay. touted as basically bringing kettlebells to the U.S. Okay. Know? Straight up Russian dude. It's, it's exactly, exactly how he talks, you know, in his nice. writing and tone. It's so funny, but nice. um, he really has good stuff on stretching and things like that. He's another guy where like, yeah, he's not a massive dude. Like that wasn't his goal. His goal was strength and power, right? With a kettlebell, but mm-hmm. he has full splits. He has full pistols. Like, you know, this older man can, you know, uh, move way better than most 20 year olds. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Basically anybody that, and you notice based off of some of my influences, it's people that have been doing whatever they're doing for a long time and they can still mm-hmm. do it. You know, 40 yeah. year olds that can still handstand, 40 year olds that can still do the splits. Like, okay, these are the people most people need to be listening to in terms of like finding longevity through movement and training in life. And that's, yeah. that's a lot of the sentiments I've taken and brought, um, you know, to my clients and, and my coaching are from some of these people. And a lot of them have a lot of crossover if you hear them speak. You know, most oh, of us need more movement. They all agree on that, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, as we've been discussing. Um, it, so maybe tell listeners a little bit more about like the type of coaching that you do. Do you offer like certain types of packages or sure. in case they're interested? Yeah, so I, I, I do most of my training um, on like a one-to-one scale. So I don't have pre-made mm-hmm. packages or anything like that. So, you know, someone just should email me, reach out and say, you know, uh, whatever, these are my goals. I want to get better at movement. I want to apply mobility with my powerlifting. I want to get better at so-and-so skills. And I basically do monthly programming and, and, and you know, constant check-ins, constant feedback. And I'm big mm-hmm. on you know, I say my move, my training is kind of movement based where you attach your videos and I give you feedback based off of that. And then I write your uh, weekly or your monthly program based off of that. So I do like to do a movement assessment. You know, if it's your first day with me, you know, attach these videos, what's your shoulder extension? Like what's your overhead flexion? Like what, you know, can, can you bridge? Can you forward fold? Can you pike? Can you straddle? Um, Just like a combination of some of the assessments that I, I, I like to take a look at and see, okay, where can we improve from here? So it really is a blend of some of the FMS stuff, some of FRC stuff, some of, um, you know, gymnastics based, just total positions. So it's just overall general movement, which I find that um, if we take a look at it, most people can improve on most of these things. Mm-hmm. And improving some of these movements like shoulder extension, overhead flexion, automatically they're going to be able to move better through whatever type of training they're doing or lifting or sport they're doing. Yeah. And then one other thing as a client, I'll add in, um, you do the weekly 
uh, like feedback too, which is really nice because it just prompts like um, self-reflection for like, you know, are you enjoying your training? What, what have you done really well this week? Where can we improve? And just uh, helps you get a better glimpse into like kind of that area we were talking about earlier is, is there a lot of stressors happening in your life that's distracting you from training that maybe you need to alter the frequency that you're approaching the week or the intensity that you go about your training and make modifications so that you can just stick with it and be consistent week to week. Right. And that is something that, um, you know, I added in. Yeah. Like you said, like a weekly check and a reflection because, you know, sometimes, yes, people do enjoy getting a plan and just doing it. I think that once you start to slow yourself down and really start to, like you said, auto-regulate, how do I feel today? What are my stressors? Um, is, is, is something nagging, which, you know, sometimes if you're doing a certain type of sport or you're, you know, bodybuilding, powerlifting, and you're just trying to hit numbers, it's like, my shoulder hurts. I don't care. Like, I'm going to bench still. Mm, which is like you know if you're doing that and you're trying to do your full body weight on uh, a handstand or ring muscle up it's like okay maybe we don't have the same kind of give there because you're putting all of your weight and you're stressed and you can't hold a good body line and you're going to be sinking into your wrist like Mm. maybe you're better off either deloading somehow or maybe cutting the sets or reps or time on your hands or something like that for maybe it's just that day maybe it's a whole week or a whole month yeah, that's, that's exactly what we did. I had to, yeah. the whole month of December, I was like, <laughs> rest, I need to chill out because I have all these other things that are happening outside of training. And it's hard to be honest with yourself sometimes in those reflections as an athlete, because you do want right. to just be chasing forward to those goals, but it is important for longevity to know, like, when do you need to kind of hit the brakes a little bit to be able to stick with it long-term and not injure yourself you know, from burnout and, um, you know, put yourself out of the game longer than you need to be. Right. And that's like, you mentioned that it's so easy to ignore it, especially if you're trying to work for a goal. Right. Mm -hmm. But in terms of longevity, sometimes it is better to just give yourself a forum to let yourself speak on it. Yeah. It's so easy to ignore it. And so, you know, on our training, I give you a space to do it. It's like, okay, these are the questions. Like, how are you feeling? What do you want to improve on? You know, what, what's, what were your struggles this week? You know, sometimes it could be just writing it down for someone. Yeah. And then you take a look at it and it's like, well, maybe I am a little bit burnt out or maybe this elbow has been nagging me longer than I thought. Like, what can I do about it? So you self-reflection with your training is huge. I think that that's one of the things that most people can add into their training. Yeah. Sure. And once you start to understand that, you can start to balance yourself a lot more when it comes to your training, have less injuries, um, start to undulate your intensities a little bit better and, um, you know, balance it out with your life too, which is something that we like to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Are there any like books or anything you would recommend to listeners if they do want to get into like the sort of training that you practice or just anything that you know has really impacted you along the way that you would uh recommend yeah sure so i guess multiple training books right if we're going to go on the 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 actual act of physical training um you know anything by pavel satulin he Mm -hmm. he has a book called relax into stretch 
Enter the Kettlebell, those are really good books. Um, the Overcoming Gravity book, I think it's one of the best books when it comes to gymnastics strength training. Yeah. Um, Dr. Phil Maffetone has great training books on endurance training and overtraining and things like that. Mm. Uh, Mark Sison, Primal Endurance is another one. Um, in terms of, I think like habit, lifestyle or how the human body developed or how the human mind developed, I really love um, the book called Sapiens by Noah Yuval Harari. So yeah. it's such a good book. Um, and uh, there's another book called The Awakened Ape, um, where it's basically talks about all of the things in our society at this moment that are causing us to have all the problems that we have, which is, you know, lack of movement, lack of exercise, lack of sleep, you know, lack of sunlight. Yes. And, and foods. And like, these are things that, okay, so if we're talking about health, why aren't we talking about all these things too? Mm, they all play a role. They all definitely play a role. Yeah. You know, it's not just calories in versus calories out anymore. Yeah. It's like a huge, broad huge picture. Spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you can be, you can be lean, like, you know, based off the picture or a mirror, but that if you're stressed out, you're not sleeping well, you know, I've, I've worked with people that, you know, their, their blood levels are horrible or they've had a heart attack at 40 and they they're at regular body weight. Yeah. What's what's a common stressor there? Like they're super stressed. Yeah, exactly. So Um, putting that guy on a diet, is not going to do anything. Yeah. What would you do in that situation? Like, do you just approach it through movement and just like helping them to calm down through movement? Yeah. So I would say, you know, based off you know, kind of the one-on-one, I think having a reflection of, okay, what are your goals? What, what in your life can you improve for your health? Mm. And what are definitely movement and exercise would help someone's stress, but you need to start working on your sleep or you need to start making better food choices. And we need to start looking at the whole picture because like just looking at exercise, isn't going to be the end all be all for that person. I see. So you would just prompt them to make time for that self-reflection and kind of probe them with some ideas of where they could improve from the bigger spectrum of health. Yes. And there's, like I said, take a look at multiple aspects of your life. Take a look at all the stressors and okay, what are some things that I can do to start addressing these things? And it's like, Mm -hmm. if you need multiple coaches on multiple fronts, like go for it. Or if you need to further your own education, start to read more about sleep. You know, you have, there's books on sleep now, James Nestor's book on breathing. Yeah. It's a really big one now. So um, I'm glad that um, some of these things are starting to be brought more to like the mainstream health and fitness field to where people are starting to look, okay, it's not just in the gym anymore. It's like, what am I doing outside the gym? Am I not moving outside the gym? Uh, and things like that, because, you know, there's, there's been studies out there where they compared people that work out five days a week, an hour a day, and they sat all day. Right? Mm-hmm. So those people, even though they're on this regular workout regimen, they were still at higher risk for all mortality risks. Wow. Right. So like an hour in the gym, isn't going to fix all your problems. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Um, So speaking of like the larger spectrum of health, I think it all comes down to just like staying balanced in your own, obviously training, but also like in life of in and of itself. So how do you try to stay balanced in your life? 
<laughs> so <laughs> in terms of balance, it's definitely, I think, something that you have to constantly adapt to whatever your situation is. Mm. And that's almost similar to what we talk about when you're talking about auto-regulation or self-reflection, right? Um, I always tell people, you know, I always say, go, you know, let's go back to your goals, right? So mm-hmm. if we take a look at your priorities, what are your top priorities? Okay. And then, you know, these are the things I need to spend the most time, mental energy, physical energy doing. Yeah. Okay. And so once I start to do that, okay, maybe I can start to get rid of some of these things that aren't just good for me, or they're wasting my time, or they're not helping me in these goals. And then take a look at those goals. Um, What is the time period for these things? What is the importance of these things? And maybe sometimes balance means something different to, you know, different people at different point of their lives. Yeah. Right. Like, are you in the last three months of grad school? Are you studying for a test? Are you trying to start your business? Right. Like if you ask those people, like, is your life balanced? You know, the answer is no. Like they're all of their balance, quote unquote, is into that one thing. Mm. But it has to be undulated too. So just like training, right? There's one day, it's just gonna be a hard day. It's just a lot of volume or there's you know, I'm lifting really heavy 90% of my max that day. The next day, you're not going to do the same thing. So right. I think it's time to look at the scales of what you're doing things on. Okay, maybe I do have to grind really hard, work 10, 12 hours on my business today. Tomorrow, I'll rest. Or maybe I'll just do work for, you know, a little less this time. Or maybe I just need to sleep a little bit more this day. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's balancing that on top with your training. So I know that if I have a long work day and I, I don't sleep well and I feel it in the morning, it's like, maybe I'll just go a little bit lighter. Maybe I'll do one movement today, you know, a few Turkish get-ups. Maybe I'll just do mobility. Yeah. And so it's, it's balancing all the stresses in your life. And, you know, there's you stress, there's good stress, there's bad stress. Mm. They're all stresses and your body still needs to recover from them. Your mind still needs to recover from them. So it's learning like I said, I use the word undulate. Basically, it just means that, you know, you're going high intensity or high frequency at some points and you're going low on some points. And mm. I think when it comes to balance, I always tell people like, you can't do everything extremely fast, extremely hard all the time, you know, forever. It's, just, yeah. it's not going to happen. You're going to burn out. Something is going to give. You're, you're missing something somewhere or you're not going to recover you're not going to sleep well. Um, and so it's like I said, finding your priorities and then balancing your, your life out like that. I always, you know, go back to like, okay, we have this bar. Everything is going to take away from it. Where do I want to put the most time, whether it be my training or whether it be, um, you know, your life. And it, that could be on a big scale. Like, what do I want to accomplish in one year? Mm. What can I accomplish in the six months? And then take it down to like, okay, what is my focus for the, this month? Maybe most of this is going to take my time and then take it all the way down to the day or the yeah. hour. Yeah. It's like, okay, I worked an eight hour day. I need to spend one hour uninterrupted with my partner or with my family um, mm-hmm. and things like that. So it's take a look at multiple scales, what your priority is and work with what my priority is at that point in time. Yeah. And that's really where you find balance. It's more managing everything you need to do and all of your interest and time um and and putting the time and effort where it needs to be at that moment 
Yeah, that's a really helpful answer, I'm sure, for <laughs> many people, because it's like, you don't get that from like a gym trainer normally. I mean, you're not a gym trainer, <laughs> but like, you know, that's just such a good like life advice um, answer for people to kind of reassess, do their own reflection and figure out like, how can they make life feel more manageable instead of feeling like they have to take on, you know, so many things and try and be Superman or Superwoman every day. And then that leads to burnout and just life or training or whatever. And it's not sustainable. So yeah, right. It's not sustainable. And yeah. so I guess another, another book I'd like to um, mention is it's called the one thing by Gary Keller. Mm. And it's basically essentially what I just said, where the entire book is, you know, telling people that a lot of people waste too much time switching between tasks, going back and forth, trying to balance 10 things at once. When really, if they took a look at what their day is, you know, ask yourself, what is the most important thing that I need to get done today that is going to lead me closer to my goal? Mm-hmm. And what is my most important goal at that moment? And so I have to wake up in that mor- morning and do that. Because you can fill your day with a bunch of things that aren't going to lead you to that goal. And then the whole day is over. Yeah. And then you can rinse and repeat that. And then it's like this big goal is in the back of my head. So you might just be better off, you know, going all in on that one goal for one hour, not moving on to the next thing. And it's the same thing with, with training, right? At this time I'm doing front squats, whatever. And then the next thing I'm going to, I'm going to move or for this, and that's why I say you have to do it on multiple scales too. Mm. For these next three months, I'm really going to focus on my handstand. And there's such a big parallel with training and life is that mm. you can't do everything all at once. If I was trying to do seven scales at once, trying to get my endurance better with running and trying to get my max up on my deadlift all at the same time, I'm just going to go nowhere. Yeah. I needed to spend time six months. Okay. I'm working on mobility here predominantly not to say that I never lifted or never did cardio or anything like that but Mm. predominantly most of my time needs to go to whatever ankle mobility or most of my training you know every time I'm fresh I'm hitting handstand because that's my number one goal you Mm. know if I'm trying to get better at handstands and I'm doing um you know a circuit an amrap and then you know, 10 sets of squats. And then I try to do handstands, like you'll never get better at it. And this is coming from personal experience, like um, trying to do multiple skills at once. Yes, it's fun for building your base, but if you really want to get better at something, there needs to be a focus on it. And it may not be a hundred percent, but maybe 60% of my time training time is on this one skill or this focus, whether it be mobility, strength, and if you start to think about that, it's like, okay, I'm just balancing bars when I'm writing out training programs. Mm. You know, this person needs 80% of mobility with the time training time that they have. And they're still trying to be functional and strong. So maybe they still do a few basic compound lifts. Yeah. 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 Or I think- this person's a power lifter. Maybe they do still need to spend most of their time lifting. Right. But okay. What, where can we add? Like maybe 10% of 20% of their training time doing whatever core work, single legged unilateral work, and then maybe a little bit of mobility there. So it's, you're just balancing, you know, levers. Yes. And 
being able to have, being able to be honest with yourself and then say like, these are my, where I want to put my focus right now. Like these three yes. things, 100%. so much stress in the act of pursuing those things, because now you're no longer going 12 directions with training, exactly. trying to get all those skills. Yeah. I see that so often too. And, and that's the same, the same in life too. If, yeah. Like I, that, that's why I kind of mentioned, like, if you're in the process of, you're about to take a test in a month or you're trying to build your business and it's the first few months and you're trying to set everything up or, you know, I'm whatever, I'm trying to save money to get down payment on a house. It's like, maybe that does need to be your focus at that time. Maybe that's what your balance is and that's yeah. what you have to focus on. And maybe you, once we get done with that, okay, we can focus on spread our time into other things. So that's why I say it's very situational. And I think the constant reassessment of your life and where you're at is going to be the key to you know, keeping you one, keeping you level, but also keeping you productive in, in that set to where, okay, I can knock out these goals now. It's not so um, overwhelming that I'm being pulled 12 different directions at once. You know, I'm trying to get whatever, a, a better deadlift. I'm trying to get handstand. I'm trying to build my business or I'm trying to, you, you know, save money here. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And then also I'm supposed to spend time with my family. Yeah, it's like, okay, like, what are the most important things that day, that month, that year, and then in the next five years, and then look at it like that. Yeah, it's like, sometimes you have to put the business down, spend time, right? So it's, that's why I say look at it at different scales, or sometimes it's first thing in the morning, I have to knock out this thing for my business. Mm, Yeah, so good. Just overall, like the average trainee, right, the person who just goes to the gym and works out. I think you should branch out into multiple movement styles or disciplines or another sport and just apply it. And so, so many people will learn so much from learning a different movement or learning even a different explanation from another type of teacher, another coach, something like that, to where that it's going to benefit them in the long run to where they can really apply it to their training. Or maybe they just take a whole different mindset on either life or training in itself. Right. And it was, I guess, for an example, um, you know, this was when I was kind of, kind of just starting body weight training, mobility and things like that. And, you know, obviously the, my background was lifting, lifting heavy and things like that. Um, I don't know if you follow like my friend Eduardo, um, he's one of the lead GMB coaches, awesome guy, very skilled, very talented. Um, you know, he's a rock climber too. And then like, we were just talking, discussing, and he was one of the first ones where we were talking about like fitness in different ways where, you know, you had all those memes like in 2013, 2014, or, you know, before that, where, you know, if you don't squat, you're not a lifter, you don't even lift. Yeah. Right. You need to squat a heavy barbell, put it on your back, squat up and down. Yeah. And then, you know, one of the things he mentioned to me was like, if you're a rock climber, you don't want bigger legs. Mm. Right. And I was like, it was such a weird concept for me. I was like, oh, there are people out there like they, they, they don't want to have bigger legs. And, you know, it was kind of like this thing where you, if you're someone who lifts, right, you kind of make fun of people with small legs. But it's like, yeah. if you're a competitive lifter, like, and you're, you know, you could take, 20 pounds off of your legs like why would you have these huge massive legs and that's why I was like whoa there's there's different sports there's different avenues of fitness and it's the same thing in gymnastics when um you know in the podcast of coach summer gymnastics strength training he's like yeah. they want as much power per pound as possible mm. 
Mm-hmm. So having these big bulky legs isn't, you know, the goal of their training. A lot of their training is plyometric. Yeah. How much speed and power can I punch into the ground um, without adding a lot of hypertrophy weight? Yeah. yeah so it's like, sense. well, that's when I really started branching out into learning that, okay, you need to understand what do you want personally or what does this client want and adjust the training and mindset to that because mm. you can take someone and just th- throw a bunch of legwork at them, which everybody needs some type of legwork, but maybe they need unilateral, maybe they need more whatever shrimp squats, Cossack squats and, and, and single legged pistols or something like that, where they're gaining ankle mobility, they're gaining strength and they're not going to gain another 20 pounds because they're a rock climber for, mm. you know, for fun. Yeah. You just reminded me too of um, like back in that 2013, 2014, like Instagram fitness culture, it was so limiting. I mean, it's still the same. Everyone's just younger, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is true. <laughs> I remember though hearing like, Oh, if you are a woman, don't lift light weights for high reps because you're, you're not going to get that like lean physique that you're striving for. You need to right. lift heavy. And so that's what channeled me into powerlifting. But it's right. like, there is benefit to doing high repetition. There's benefit to everything. And yeah. I, I, I do dislike when a trainer or coach, you know, they have this pretentious post about um, whatever, don't do too much cardio, don't run too much. Mm. I saw, you know, just these things that are just berating like types of training. Right. Yeah. And it's like one of those things that's like, yeah, maybe this person that does yoga moves better than you or this person that does cardio will outrun you any day of the week. Yeah. Right? So it's like, yeah. you're better than them because you lift. Yeah. You know, they're different. There's different avenues of fitness. You can let people enjoy their, there are different varieties, but yeah, you can definitely educate people on like, okay, like we could, what can we improve and, and things like that. But I definitely, I'm never one to say like, unless it's dangerous and stupid and that, you know, when people yeah. like, something like that where, but you know, I definitely feel like I matured in the fact that learning that there are multiple avenues of fitness, people can enjoy different types. There are different body types and all forms of movement are usually healthy and you know definitely applicable so you can't berate someone for jumping in yoga you can't berate someone for you know getting on the treadmill and you're not better than anyone for whatever sport you choose to do because I know once you're in a clique right you're kind of like make fun of everybody else that Mm. is is doing the opposite which is yes kind of crazy I think that's a really good point it's like uh, we can easily get in silos in our sport. And then in the gym, you're even more siloed, like amongst the power lifters that it's like easy right. to look down upon others or just be so focused on like, this is the way to do things that you are limited in your thinking. And I, I see the like unconscious ignorance of like younger coaches, just not even knowing that they're, you know, putting their athletes at risk because it's all they know i'm yeah. yeah everyone needs to like have those lessons but it's yeah it's important for this podcast to go out to the world to educate people. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the things too is that i do think a lot of people will post like a certain statement or um you know some declaration on this or that when it comes to like physiology right but yeah. broad statements never apply to everybody in all situations Mm. right like oh you know for example someone posted you know jefferson curls just don't do them if you're an olympic lifter Mm. or 
you know, spinal, spinal extension or flexion is bad. You should just keep it rigid. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like you can train everything, um, you know, preparing yourself through different ranges and moving through different ranges are, are healthy and you can build it. Like, yeah, maybe if someone is not prepared, you know, maybe they could injure themselves or someone doesn't have spinal awareness. Yeah. But you're supposed to build those things. So making broad mm-hmm. statements like this movement is bad for you, or this type of training is bad for you, or running makes everybody injured or, you know, CrossFit makes everybody injured. Yeah. Um, every sport makes everybody injured. It's like, what, what, what is the context? And, and the context dose. Is, yeah. The dose. Like you said. The, dose, the frequency. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. <laughs> So, so much, yeah, knowledge. I'm glad we were able to have this conversation today. It's super enlightening for me, and I know it will be for others. Um, Thank you. It was fun to be on this. I, I definitely love talking about training and, and, and like how I develop and, you know, honestly, just getting my, my thoughts to the outside world, because I do think it's still very niche. Right. Mm. I do think that, you know, working out is always just about calories and losing weight or, you know, building your physique, getting more muscle. And there's, like I said, like you can expand, like learn, like talk, talk to runners, talk to people that do yoga. If you're someone who lifts or, you know, vice versa, like get in the gym, start lifting heavier weights. And then you really start to gain benefits both mentally and physically from multiple disciplines. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's why we have, uh, job security, I guess is the word for it, <laughs> you know, helping people to just have, uh, to find and to find in movement, what we have found and help them to, you know, see the good in it. Yes. It's definitely a good thing and we all need it. <laughs> so where can people find more about you if they want to pick your brain more or, you know, sign up for coaching? Yeah, sure. So you could just email me at jcastfit at gmail.com that, you know, shoot, shoot me a message, shoot me a question. Um, and also my Instagram is j underscore cast underscore. You could see a lot of my training. I post a few of my clients on there. I'm not as active as I used to be, but I do enjoy posting like some of my clients, um, you know, getting good results gaining more mobility and gaining new skills. And, you know, that's kind of what I like to bring out is that like, okay, like it's kind of less about me and more about educating and helping people nowadays. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you again so much for your time. It's been uh, a pleasure to speak with you and maybe we'll have to do it again down the road. Perfect. Let me know. I'm always down to come back. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. Our goal with this show is to help you understand how to build embodied strength, trust, and confidence around movement and nutrition so you can get past perfectionism, living in extremes, low self-esteem, and start living the sustainable, balanced, and empowered life you know you deserve. If you're currently struggling and looking to transform how you feel in your body, this is your calling to apply for coaching. Head over to our website and get started. And while you're there, sign up for our email list. You'll get a free download of our one-month program called Intro to Strength and Wellness. And if you enjoyed the show today, be sure to subscribe so you can be notified of future episodes. By following along, you will begin your journey to the pursuit of authenticity, also known as life. The life of creating ourselves to be exactly who we are supposed to be. Thank you again for your support and see you next time.